Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. I'm going to start by telling you about a matriarch named Margaret. I spent the better part of yesterday reading and and laughing and crying over Margaret's stories. And there are so many of them. And it was difficult for me to choose which ones to tell you. This episode was initially just going to be about celebrating our elders better and how we can reframe aging for ourselves. And then I got neck deep in these really good little short and sweet Southern Margaret stories. And so I'm going to tell you about her first with these little anecdotes. And um, then we might get to some ways we can change the culture of getting older for ourselves. So one of my mom's best friends, her name is, is Jan Pringle, and Jan is Margaret's daughter. And Margaret died when she was 99, so she lived a really long, beautiful life. And Margaret had seven children, 16 grandchildren, three stepchildren, and according to Jan, a very demanding husband. So Margaret was the grand matriarch of her huge family. And I was lucky enough to meet her several times. And, and she she had about the thickest Southern accent you've ever heard and and had an opinion on just about everything. And her family and pretty much everybody that, that met her just adored her. and was always quoting her and carrying on about the things that she would say. She's very clever and interesting and, and such a character. And one of the first times I met Margaret, it was at a fancy Southern wedding, and everybody was really dressed up. And Margaret was on the porch, kind of holding court and talking to different people who would come by. And I was standing in earshot of her, kind of doing what I like to do on the outskirts of things and collecting stories and just watching people. And somebody came up to her. She was sitting in the in the big rocker, and somebody came up and, and commented on this big fancy hat with flowers that she was wearing. And without hesitation, she she just looked at them and said, Darling, hats hide a multitude of sins. And then she looked away. And I was so tickled. I walked over to my mom and said, Listen to what I overheard Margaret just say. And mom said, Oh, yeah, she says that all the time. That's a pretty regular thing she says. One time, Margaret was at the lake with Jan's family and um, a man named Glenn um, is Jan's husband, and, and Glenn's grandmother was also at the lake visiting with all the kids. And and Margaret asked Glenn's grandmother how she'd ended up in New York, because Glenn's whole family was from Scotland. And Grandma said, well, that's just where the boat took us. And Margaret just stared at her for a minute and said, What a shame it didn't take you to Savannah. You'd have been much better off. 
the next story about Margaret is from David, and David is Jan's brother. So remember, she's got Margaret had seven kids. She, this is what Jan, this is what David said. During the time in our lives that Margaret was dragging us by the ears to Sunday school, one Sunday morning, she looked down at my shoes and saw that they were covered in mud. And she said, you're not going to go to Sunday school like that. Hand me those shoes. And Margaret took my shoes and she washed them in the kitchen sink. And she grabbed a stick of butter out of the refrigerator. She shined my shoes with that butter and handed them back to me. And Margaret said, now put these on. The cats might be following you down the sidewalk, but at least your shoes will be shined. One day, Margaret, now remember, Margaret had seven children, and interestingly enough, they all, they all called her Margaret, and so did her grandchildren. She just, everybody knew her as Margaret. So one day, Margaret declared that she was not matching socks anymore. She dedicated a whole drawer underneath the telephone in the kitchen as the sock drawer, all socks, boys and girls, were put in that drawer. And before school, everybody had to find two socks that matched or at least came close to matching. And I, t- I totally get this. And I only have two kids. I can't imagine doing that with seven. The next story is from Caroline. And Caroline is Jan's daughter. And so multi-generational trip to Italy they went on so it was Caroline Jan and Margaret all went to Italy a few years back and this is what Caroline said when we arrived at our hotel in Venice Italy I tried and tried to open the ancient shutters so that we could see the canal I just couldn't get the shutters open so I gave up a few minutes later Margaret walked up to the shutters and flung them open with ease she announced as a trash barge cruised by our window, Carpe Diem, the merchants have readied the city. I was amazed that Margaret was able to open the shutter. So I said to her, Margaret, you have trouble plugging in your telephone. How on earth did you get those shutters open? To which Margaret replied, darling, modern inventions are a thing of the devil. Later that night, they were in, out in Italy having supper. And they were having a great time, and and a man named Jimmy, Jimmy was Margaret's husband, and he died multiple years before she did. And so they're out to dinner, and Margaret raised her glass to Jimmy and said, if I had known widowhood was going to be this much fun, I would have never taken such good care of Jimmy. The next day, still in Italy... Margaret fainted. Now, she's in her 90s. So she fainted at the American Express office in Italy. And when she came to, all she wanted was a bourbon. And Jan and Caroline tried to explain to her that it was the beer on the horse and buggy ride and the 100-degree weather that got her into that fix. And what she needed to make her better was water. And Margaret announced very loudly in the office for Jan and Caroline's benefit, but also for everybody that was there. She said, bourbon in the Bible, cure everything. I just love her to pieces and feel like Margaret was one of those Southern characters that we can only hope to get to spend time around. She was absolutely herself, which is really what I loved about her most and what I love about these stories. And When we are absolutely ourselves, it's the most beautiful thing 
that anyone can ask of us. It, it's the thing that brings out the most beauty is when we're just absolutely ourselves. So special thanks to Jan and her whole family for sharing this with me, these treasured stories of your grand matriarch. It really, really lightened my heart yesterday and touched me. And they made me laugh. The stories made me laugh, but they also just reminded me the gift that we all receive when someone is completely and exactly who they are. And I did save one more Margaret story for the end, so so stay with me. It strikes me that we collectively are not placing value on elders and naming the cherished wisdom that comes directly and only from getting older. We're not just not doing that very well. It's for the most part not built into this culture. And so I have some questions for us that I've been thinking about. How are you thinking of your own personal aging process? Do you see, as you get older, do you see and feel your wisdom coming in? Do you honor and accept all of your marks and the things that the body does as it ages? Or at least, do you not rail against that? and try to pretend it isn't happening or feel like you need to cover it up? Do you know that while your face and your body are certainly going to change, so is the potency of your wisdom and that your value, do you know that your value is only going up? Did you know that? You know, when I hear about these Margaret stories, I think about how getting older gives us this grand opportunity to become even more who we are. And if we're lucky, we inhabit ourselves more. And that's the gift to us and to the world. So here's this paradox that I've seen. And I've seen this admittedly with myself and in many people around me. So we might say something like, You know, I really wish aging was celebrated and revered in our culture. Like, I think that, and I think a lot of people think that. We wish it were different, right? And then later that same day, after having said that, we will do everything in our power to try to look younger and defying all the natural aging processes and and even blocking the possibility at least in our own family and friend circle, of being seen and celebrated as someone who is getting older, which, of course, we all are getting older. And what I see is thoughtful and wise and gorgeous people around me who want aging to be seen differently than it is culturally, But so often, these same gorgeous, wise, and thoughtful people have not begun the excavation process inside themselves of what it really means to value the inner wisdom over the outer beauty. So here, I think, is our task to begin to know, to begin to know deep down inside that we are worth it. We are something to be valued. And here's the interesting thing. If we have not transformed the view of ourselves, then 
why would we expect our culture to reflect something that we haven't learned to celebrate in ourselves? Something that seems to be missing is it's not just someone else's responsibility, someone out there on the cultural planning committee to change how we see and uphold aging. We have to shift the way that we see it personally and culturally, and then we have to embody that so that it moves out from us in concentric circles so that those in close proximity to us begin to feel differently about aging and the reverence of elders because of how we behave. And then it seeps into our small family culture in hopes of becoming a bigger and more impactful imprint. Instead of just thinking, us thinking, oh, that looks great on her, but I couldn't pull that off at my age and just feeling kind of diminished, you know, things like that, that we do all the time internally. So next time I find myself thinking that way, I'm going to call in Margaret. We were, our family was sitting at the supper table a couple weeks ago, and it was, (laughs) it was quiet for just a rare minute. And Otis looked at me and said, so you know more than Papa because you're older than he is. And I laughed. I'm three and a half years older than Matt. And then Otis looked at Vivi, who was also at the table, my mother, and said, you know more than any of us. And we started to kind of correct him and tell him that it doesn't quite work like that. And people of all ages know different amounts about many different things. But then I, I stopped that line of the conversation. And I said, you know, all that is true. But I also want you to know that the older you get, the more wisdom you collect. And I tried to explain that wisdom comes from time and days experienced and things felt and living the things that you know and knowing the things that you lived. And, you know, our kids have have been lucky They have two grandmothers who live in the same town, and one of them actually lives like right in our backyard. My mother lives in our carriage house, and our kids have access to multi-generational connection more often than just occasional visits, which I think absolutely contributes to how little people think of elders when it becomes part of their, their everyday, because it's not a rarity for my kids to curl up on either one of their grandmother's lap to hear a story and to to feel a certain wisdom that we don't yet have to offer come in. And I, I want to say, too, that no matter what age you are, I think you have a responsibility in this conversation about aging and the way that we see elders. So young people, you have a responsibility of asking ask more questions of older people, ask them their stories and what they remember about simpler times, ask them what they regret and what they know now, having lived through so much. Because if we do not ask, people often don't pass these beautiful stories down because some of these older people have shrunk inside 
and think, you know, why would young people want to know my silly old stories or my old fashioned thoughts? And what happens, unfortunately, is they become quiet and they sit in a corner with a blanket over their legs and they begin to, and I think it happens gradually, but they begin to feel obsolete. And they often, I think, are feeling like the world is rushing past them and they're struggling to keep up. And so they stop trying and they just feel old and kind of bumbly. And this is this feels really tragic to me and something that can be remedied by us asking. And then the middle-aged people, which is where I am, we are so often too worried about covering up our own aging process and and you know we're just worried about that too worried to want to celebrate anybody else's because it feels really close and what's interesting is is i think people around my age middle age they like the idea we like the idea of that wise wrinkled old lady telling ancient stories of healing and imparting family secrets we like the idea of her we want to live next door to her we want to have conversations with her but we don't necessarily want to be her and we can't see ourselves being her yet But here's the thing. I think we have to begin to see ourselves as her one day, if this is ever going to heal, if this gap in our culture is ever going to be remedied. We have to see that role as a wisdom role and one that we wish for eventually, a role that we would be lucky to inhabit. And those of us who are middle-aged folks Besides figuring out how to inhabit our own aging, we are the people that have the children. So in part, it's our responsibility to point the children to the elders and to encourage them to ask questions and to model that and insist on that. We in the middle age group can help initiate curiosity and we can set the tone for elders to be valued for their wisdom. We can call them into the circle. We can, we can look to them for absolute treasures that they have to offer. You know, and as we all know, if you're lucky enough to make it long enough to be an old person, you've been through some things. You have stories and places that you've seen and places that you've really considered, things that you've really considered. And you have luckily shed so much of the nonsense that youth is cluttered with. And there's a relief to it I'm starting to recognize. Generally, older people have profound ideas if we would slow down in order to listen to them. And then older people, you too, have some responsibility here. Things are not set up for you well, not set up in the way that I wish they were. But it's going to take you changing things too. You are the keepers of the wisdom. You are the, the vital piece of continuity and bringing something forward. You have something for us. Even if it's something that you believe is obsolete, 
you have to help us change things. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take everybody. And so I want you older people to stop just hoping that the culture will change to celebrate you. Begin to tell your stories anyway. Continue to bring your wisdom, even if you're not asked, because you know, even if people around you don't know yet, you know the potency of what you have now versus what you had when you were young. And it's going to take you knowing that first before other people will know. So tell the stories if you can, write them down, record them for us, give us your secrets so we can install them into ourselves and into the ones that are coming in. My mother told me last week she was going to write down the recipes that she knows that I love and put them in a, in a journal. And I, as soon as she said that, I thought, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad she's going to do that. And then I realized that I'd been hesitant to ask, that I had already thought of it, but I'd been hesitant to ask, not because I didn't, you know, want them, but because I didn't want to call attention to a time when she may not be here. But of course, she thinks about that. And me not mentioning it doesn't make that foreshadowing go away. And I wish I'd been the one to ask her so that she would have known that I really wanted that in the first place. Older people become the matriarch, become the patriarch. Don't wait to be asked. You know, I don't think Margaret waited to be asked. She just embodied the role with ownership and authority. And I think people just loved her for that. And I wish all of you older people that each of each of you had been asked because I think that's a gift. I wish our culture had been different and you didn't have to wonder how much your legacy and your stories are cherished. But I hope all of you older people that you do not wait until there are regrets after you are gone. My mother like Margaret, does this really well. She inhabits the matriarch role really well. And we're so lucky to have this integrated into our family system. And the kids just know, and we know, and she knows. And she's pretty quiet. She's very different than Margaret. She's not as audacious and um, out there, but she's, she's quiet and not obtrusive, but she is a true matriarch. And I'm grateful for that. I was thinking about this kind of thing and how I've always thought of older people all the way back in high school. And I was thinking about my history teacher, Carl Revels was his name. And high school was kind of rough for me. I think I've told y'all I didn't really fit in. I was on the outskirts and teased a lot. And I didn't have a lot of friends or a group that I could call my own. And I gravitated towards older people towards my mentors. I gravitated towards my English and history teachers and the deep thinkers, and I found shelter in them. And I would sneak cups of coffee in the mornings and in the late afternoons, and I would retreat into their offices and hope to get into philosophical discussions with them. And and I would choose that instead of wondering if I was going to get teased in the hallway or in the locker room for not having like stylish clothes on. And Dr. Revels would sit there if I was lucky 
and he would lean back in his chair and he would just talk and talk and talk and and he would tell stories of how he had lived and where he'd lived and all of his wisdom. And I don't remember actually him being that old. I, you know, he was just older than me. Um, but those days, those mornings and afternoons where I would hide out with him sort of saved me. And they were a lighthouse for sure in some pretty dark high school days. So if you're listening, Dr. Revels, thank you for that refuge. And older people who are teaching younger people, you'll never know maybe at the time, how your wisdom can be a refuge for a young person. So stay true to that and just be aware of the kind of impact that you're making. And admittedly, even as an old soul, I have been passive. I've had times and places where I've contributed for sure to the narrative that I would like to see dissolved. I have had times and places where I've scurried after beauty culture instead of inhabiting wisdom and embracing what is naturally. You know, it's a regular practice for me to, um, to try and teach from that embodied place instead of scurrying and covering up the inevitability and the privilege of aging. So I think it's going to take all of us. It's going to take everybody And we're going to need to begin to see the natural process of getting to live longer in these bodies as a gift in our bodies, the ones we are sitting in, the ones that wrinkle and sag and look the way we look. We are going to need to believe that as we get older, we are truly becoming fine vessels of experience and that we are vital to how things will continue. And that what we have to contribute far beyond the way we look is extraordinary. So one last little treat, um, treater from Margaret, <laughs> who, who now feels like she belongs to all of us. Jan told me that one day she was talking to Margaret about a deceased, unnamed neighbor. And Jan said, she's really crazy. And Margaret looked at her and said, well, Janny girl, She's always been that way. And the older people get, the more like themselves they become. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Please, if you will, check out the show notes to discover how to become a patron. I truly need your help in the ongoing support of this podcast. And the monthly individual ask is really very small. And would love for you to become a part of that community if this is something that helps you. Have a gorgeous day. Go talk to somebody older, buy them a cup of coffee, and pull up a chair and hear some of their stories. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.